We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, it's Thanksgiving week. So good to be with you. Happy Turkey Day, y'all. I'm John Ellis. Billy Marshall's here. It's the Roar Podcast presented by Prize Picks right here on Blue Wire. A lot to get to on this 60-plus minute episode. We recap the Dallas game. Carolina came in heavy underdogs. They showed a lot of fight early in the game. But when you're a bad team, you tend to run out of gas pretty quick. Carolina did with another pick six from Bryce Young. How concerned are we? Is Bryce even set up to be evaluated right now? Can they set him up in the near future to have success? Let's talk a little bit about this front office, this coaching staff, how it all came together in hindsight, perspectives from a few people around the league I know I talked to this week. Looking forward to giving you a little insight into the world of the NFL from that perspective. We'll also talk about some of the things on defense we like. And moving forward, is this a lost season? Is it a lost cause? Do you fire everybody? Is that the right move? And if you do, the bigger question looms, what's next? That and much more as the questions continue to loom, but we have some answers, we think. It's Billy Marshall. I'm John Ellis. The Roar Podcast on a Thanksgiving Eve starts right now. Welcome to another episode of The Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. I'm your host, Billy Marshall. Joined, as always, by my co-host, John Ellis. Hello, John. Hey, Billy, what's up, man? Happy Thanksgiving uh, week to you and everybody out there listening to us on Blue Wire. And, uh, yeah, it's good to be back, man. It's uh, had a chance to take that game in as a working member of the press, Billy, and uh, certainly got a real interesting view of what's going on with this team. And I don't say... Uh, anything uh, coming into this show that I don't think people don't already know, but certainly some, some perspectives I hope to bring here for a lot of fans that are curious about timelines, who's going, who's staying, and what's going on with the offense. So I think maybe we can shed a little bit of light here on today's show, and I'm certainly looking forward to your opinions as well, my friend. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, this was a game that, I mean, it wasn't too unexpected. It's just been the same old, same old. I guess you can say there wasn't anything out of the ordinary. Um, you know, Cowboys are just a much more talented team, better coached team. And you saw that matriculize on the field Sunday afternoon. Yeah, they kind of came in, Billy, and did exactly what I thought. And I think you might have thought they would have done with like Micah Parsons in terms of lining him up over the center, Bradley Bozeman, who has had not only a hard time on his own this year adapting to some changes there in the way they structure their offense, but uh, the lack of 
stability at guard with Austin Corbett, the news today, he's back on IR. He hasn't been right since he's been back. You could see it. He's been talking about it. And obviously they've got a rotation there uh, with Zavala back at left guard, who has just been overwhelmed so far as a rookie. And it was clear from the start that that was going to be a real struggle. Now, I do think, and we'll get into this, tempo was good. It was nice to see Bryce get into some no huddle early in the game. And uh, we talked with him about it after the game. And he, he doesn't tell you much, Billy. He's a little bit like Russell Wilson in that regard, or even Belichick. But a little bit he did reveal was that, hey, it's something they worked on. And then maybe we'll see more of that. But, yeah, I just think in the trenches it was a complete overmatch. Uh, I give Carolina credit early on for establishing some run. Uh, they got under center a little more. You saw some more 12 personnel, which I think if you look back at the history of Frank Reich, it, there's really no single identifier in terms of scheme that you can say that's what Reich does. But he did do a lot of that, uh, not only in the Phillip Rivers year uh, within, within, I think it was 2019, but back when they had Carson Wentz late in the season, they were running the ball a lot out of 12 and they were throwing out of it as well. So some diversity there in terms of formation. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you don't have the guys, uh, particularly on the perimeter, uh, again, it's an issue. Uh, it's just going to look like that. Bryce had a really bad interception there in that uh, fourth quarter and great play by Duran Bland. What can you say? He's a playmaker. And in my opinion, just look at it on tape. Bryce was a little bit late on that throw, but Again, you're putting your rookie quarterback in a very unsustainable, untenable position here. Not to suggest that he's not without blame. He is. He's made some plays that aren't very good. But, Billy, uh, of all the things I look at with his team and say that's a problem, Bryce ranks pretty low on that list. And I, I don't know where you see it, but that uh, that pick six, I know that's the, the buzz. That's what people are going to look at. That gets just all the, the attention you need in terms of the clips and the sound bites. But this game was uh, very much lost when – and I want to talk about this here in a little bit. Penalties just absolutely murdered them right before halftime. It gave them no chance moving forward to win that game. Yeah, I mean, the the issue with the offense is just that there's just such a low margin of error. And um, to your point about the quarterback, I certainly think that there are issues that he magnifies that contribute to the issues offensively. Um, I don't think there's any hiding that situation at all. Um, I was listening to a podcast, came out last week, Chase Daniel does some really good quarterback breakdowns on the athletic pod, and he kind of mentioned, you know, Bryce's footwork is very, like, nonchalant. It's just not very um, pronounced, and he's not really getting to his drops with, you know, authority. It's just very, like, lax and lazy in a sense, and I see that too, especially, like, I mean, they're like 80 to 90% shotgun team. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they're like operating in the shotgun. It should be, you know, it's just, it's developing bad habits. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not saying that, you know, he's responsible for that. Maybe the coaches who are employed by the staff or, you know, his private trainers, I guess, should be, you know, a little more um, cognizant of the issues right now with this footwork. And then, you obviously have a guy that, let's just face it, he's not you know the tallest guy in the world, so it's going to have to be, you know, better from you know that perspective. And you know, I'm not suggesting that, yeah, you know, again, like you said, he's not the only issue. There's plenty of issues to dissect. I just want to give you kind of my perspective on you know what I'm seeing from the quarterback. And again, he's not really doing anything in my mind to elevate the situation around him either. So, um, yeah, there's a whole lot of issues. The offensive line is just. I mean, we called in the preseason, and I was just like, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, after that Jets game, like, why are you going into a meeting room, like, after a game? Like, that's not going to help anyone get no. better. No. I mean, like, yeah, it, it just, it, it's just, you're doing it for show. Overall, <laughs> I just think, like, this personnel doesn't really match the coaching staff's, you know, kind of philosophy or scheme. I mean, it, it was built in a Matt Rule, um, Steve Wilkes type of way, a team that really wants to get downhill and run the ball. And they're just not doing that really well. And you have a team that's, or a scheme offensively that wants to spread out and run RPOs and they just don't have the personnel for it. So it's a, just a disastrous combination of personnel, not meeting scheme. Billy, real quick, let me read to you uh, something that I exchanged uh, some ideas with a guy that's worked with and around Frank and has worked with a couple of organizations and those it's not just about Frank Reich's scheme and system. I think we talk a lot about that and it's a little bit overblown, but just in general about the offense, and this guy knows a thing or two about talent evaluation and uh, scheme. Quote, I don't know what the hell they're doing on offense. It's nothing I recognize. I had skepticism about hiring Brown as OC because it's just a huge departure philosophically from what Frank Reich was in Indy, which itself was huge uh, departure-wise from what he did in Philly. But I didn't expect much from them anyway, so it's not a huge surprise. They have such poor personnel where it matters the most offensively. The coaches, players, and front office are simultaneously bringing all of each other down at once. And he follows with this, and and maybe your perspective would be welcome here too. Quote, it's roster malpractice. Speaking of the Eagles, they spent a few million bucks commissioning research on positional value when Howie got control back in 2016. And the data is just astonishingly black and white. The OL, quarterback, and the way you space the field are what generates almost 90% of production, particularly in the run game. And again, this is a guy I respect, a guy that understands not only offense, but personnel and how championship teams are built. And I'm not suggesting it's supposed to happen overnight, but this is in response to a couple of questions I had, not only about the lack of boundary weapons coming into this season, uh, but but the fact that a guy like Miles Sanders, who did play quite well in this game from time to time, is your bell cow, and it's paid as such. And Billy, I just get back to your point that you know the offensive line, they're running out of shotgun a lot, and that's not something they were doing as much last year. So you assume this offensive line is going to carry over. Uh, I don't know about that because now you're in more five man protections, and those tackles are a little more exposed. And really, I think the issue. And Josh Norris had talked about you know what a disaster it's been. I responded and I said. You know, the big problem is the interior offensive line and the impact it has on Bryce Young. And you mentioned mechanics. I was sitting up there in the press box beside Al Wallace, who played for years in the league and understands a thing or two about how to get a quarterback off his spot. And Panthers back then were about as good as anybody doing that. And that throw he made. Uh, another example, I don't think the footwork was terrible, but it's an indicator of what you talked about, that at times, even in Alabama, he looked very quiet and comfortable in the pocket and would throw with ease, and there's just a lack of urgency at times with his footwork and and getting things in alignment, and it looks a little rustier than it did at Bama, and understandably so, Billy, because we didn't see consistent pressure in his face like this in college, and even in that last year, I think one of the points he made about his scouting report that you and I both had, you drove this home as well as anybody, is, you know, Stroud is doing what he's doing now, and that's fine, but Stroud had a lot that was given to him in terms of answers before the play started at Ohio State, and the receivers were tremendous. The offensive line was tremendous, and that's carried over, and sometimes that happens. But I thought, you know, with my eval on Bryce, is he was able to overcome a lot that senior year with relative deficiencies at skill positions relative to what they've had at Alabama years prior. 
but it, it just has not worked here so far. And it can work. It still should work. But I don't know what this front office was doing or thinking when they put this roster together, knowing what this quarterback needed and knowing presumably what the head coach likes to do and run because it's totally misaligned. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, Bradley Bozeman is not a center that you re-signed for a scheme like this. Correct. And yeah, he was a good player last year when he was just getting off the bill, fire, getting off the ball, firing downhill, yeah. and creating waves in the run game, especially under center. And in this scheme, that's just not exactly what they're attempting. And so, look, when you're trying to make these trades, and it. Look, I, I'm I'm not going to relitigate everything that what hap- happened in the off season, but it's just a continuation of issues that are being magnified now because of the record and the play on the field. Like it's one thing to be one and nine; it's another thing to be one and nine and looking completely <laughs> terrible on the offensive side of the ball. Correct. I mean, yeah, if it's it, this isn't like a you know you look at Arizona. I know they're two and eight or two and nine, whatever, but they're competitive. They're you actually see the hallmarks of a team that's aligned at all three levels. Um, this team. Yeah. Um it, it's uninspired. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it, it just looks even worse because we have to come here every week and speak about the you know issues offensively, but you know, the defense continues to just, you know, give this oppor- give this team chances and they don't take it. Yeah. Seriously. And I asked Frank this after the game, and uh, I could have been probably more eloquent in the way I asked it because as a radio guy, I get a little long-winded, but he got the point, just the lack of complimentary football. And perhaps it's unfair because so much is put on the defense right now and special teams to carry that load. They're not without flaws, but on the whole, considering the injuries, I think Evero has shown why he's one of the top candidates for a head coaching job. And I hope to God that we get one more year out of him, but I'm not sure we will considering the job he's done here. So, the thing I asked Frank is, I said, you know, after that drive, let's just look at the the end of the third quarter there where Carolina, you know, again, I thought it was probably one of Bryce's best drives this season where they go 10-plus plays. It takes a long time for them because, again, they had to convert three fourth downs. Um, and that's like climbing Mount Everest, Billy, with this team because they have very little muscle in the paint and or they philosophically don't believe that to be what they should do in those cases. Um, the quarterback is undersized, so the tush push is really not in play. And honestly, they were able to convert, but it's just thin margins on fourth and one, and it's all passing stuff too. But they end up getting the touchdown. They pull within seven. Defense has played well all day, and then they just they get leaky on defense. And McCarthy and company are able to, to carve up a few things there, and they get a quick score, and then the pick six, and then things get out of hand. So... Um, yeah, I think it's frustrating because we come in here every week, we talk about how we want to see some type of progression with this offense. And a lot of the narrative was preseason, Billy. Well, Frank is just showing the very bare bones, vanilla play calling. And you mentioned the Jets practice in the Jets preseason game. And I know it's preseason. I know it's joint practice. You could almost learn more from joint practice than you can from the games. And the overwhelming nature by which the Jets, who were probably one of the best three defenses in the league, uh, came in and just overwhelmed and engulfed Carolina in the trenches. There was a look and an aesthetic to it that concerned me. And it does have to do in part to Bryce Young's size. 
Um, you worry about him getting hurt, but you also worry about his ability to conduct what he does offensively as he did in Alabama without a pocket. If that interior collapses, you can have a little issues on the edge here or there, and he can negotiate that. But if the front three is just caving in on you, then you get into, as I call the David Carr syndrome, where it poisoned him for life. You start bouncing out of clean pockets, and you see a little bit of that. So, yeah, Bozeman, to me, was a, a great fit for what they did last year, as he was a great fit for Greg Roman, because they're under center, and they're, they're running power and gap, and you know a lot of this stuff is transferable. But you mentioned three wide and shotgun. I mean, they're, they're at an all-time high right now for a franchise record in terms of the percentage of play share in that three wide, one tight end, shotgun or pistol look. Now they're getting some success with spacing now in terms of the run game, but that's still not helping them in the passing game. And that gets right back down to a fundamental fundamental issue of if you don't have anything in terms of separation at boundary, and as one scout told me that used to work with this team, the idea this year looks like was going for catch radius over separation. Well, that's fine, but even so, how many opportunities is Bryce giving these guys to, to display the catch radius? It, Stroud, they are levi- they, they're letting him cook over there, and he should because he is so accurate and he's got great mechanics, and they have people that can get open. And I think from the beginning, they have been very reluctant to allow Bryce to do anything downfield. And it's further amplified now by the fact that you can't do much downfield with limited time to throw. And when he does go downfield, like we talked about during the draft, I think, I know I brought it up, some of the throws at Alabama, at least on the boundary, didn't have real good arc on him. A little flat on some of these. He can throw the deep ball, but they're never doing it. So it's death by a thousand paper cuts, and it's uninspired. And to boot, there's really no consistent run game to insulate him. Um, and again, I, I, I get back to scheme system and all that, and that's fine, but there's a real problem right now with their inability to just find ways to be functional with what they have. And I suppose that's an indicator that what they have isn't good enough talent wise. I just, I'm not going to give up on young quite yet. And that's not an emotional statement. Um, it's a franchise that's been, moving in circles and chasing their own tail since 2019. There was a stat, Billy, that was posted about the Steelers with Matt Canada getting fired. The first time since 1941 that franchise has fired a coordinator head coach midseason. Panthers have done that five times since 2019. I'm not saying some of those weren't deserved, but um, the, the, the days of me getting woefully impatient this soon into year one of something are behind me. But one in nine is absolutely ridiculous. Not that I thought they'd beat Dallas, but the ways in which they're giving games away without even the talent being the issue. Before halftime, they get a field goal, Billy. They moved it within seven points. They kicked the ball out of bounds. That hasn't happened here probably since John Casey was around. Then they give up two 15-yard penalties uh, on the plus side of the field for Dallas. That's 45 yards worth of real estate they gave them. And it's a 90-second drive that scores in a touchdown. And that's right there, your opportunity for Carolina to start saying, okay, you know what, maybe we're out of this race. Maybe playoffs don't matter. But a damn win does matter. It does matter to win games right now with this young quarterback, with this team that's trying to find their way together. 
and they just continue to find ways, whether it's personnel being bad, and when the personnel steps up and plays well, they make stupid mistakes on the field, and we talked about game management, clock issues. That has reared its head enough times this year to be concerned, too. It's gotten a little better, but uh, I was I was really disappointed in that game because they played so well defensively at times. They ran the ball well early, and the second half looked completely different, and that's just where you are, I guess, when you're deficient, when you're going against a top three team in your conference and you're the worst team in the league. Yeah, I mean that's just that's that's the way it is. I'm I'm not suggesting anything should be, um, you know, anyone should give up on Bryce, but I also just think that, you know, the limitations that many had questions questions with about him are being you know certainly exasperated in this current situation. Yeah, and and yeah, like I like what's the solution in your opinion then if. I mean, what do you think needs to happen for him to have success? Because you know, that's kind of the overarching question that hangs over this franchise. Well, I think they've got to be better offensively in terms of not just what they present to you um, on the field with motion, with spacing, with the uh, potential of maybe not running 13 or 11 personnel on 90% of your snaps uh, when you have seen Frank over the years with, uh, you know, with Indy have success with 12 personnel. But part of the problem there is Thielen is your wide receiver. And if you go 12 or 13, like he did a lot in Indy, yeah, Jonathan Taylor too, I get that. But they passed a lot of that. Two problems with that. Somebody brought that up in the mailbag. Number one, Thielen is not anywhere close to being what they want out on the boundary and they're not playing him there ever. So if you go into that, two tight end set, three tight end set consistently, or at least maybe 20, 30% of the game, you're probably taking your best pass catcher and your best receiver off the field, or you're putting him in a position where he's not dictating what he is inside the numbers there. That's maybe part of the thinking. And number two would be the fact that uh, people that I know that have been around Frank and been around teams he's been with before simply say that the tight end room here is not good enough for him to want to run that um, because you have to be able to both run out of it and then have playmakers within that to be able to make plays in the passing game. Trimble to me is the only viable guy. Now, Alex Sullivan a lot, but he's been dinged up, and Hurst is hurt again. Um, you got to fix the roster on, on offense. Uh, Chark is a non-factor right now, um, and I'm speaking again from a perspective of trying to to look at this as the quarterback is the guy you spent this draft capital on. He could be the problem. He might end up being a guy who does not work out, but you have to work forward, as you said just now, with the assumption that it's early, and let's see what's holding them back together, not just him. I think the offensive line has to be completely married with whatever their philosophy is on offense, and I think we're learning now, when you take them out of that comfort zone they were in last year, they weren't perfect last year either, Billy. There were moments in Cincinnati, moments in Baltimore, Moments against Pittsburgh, where that line that we praised last year had some bad days, even when they were winning. So I think there was a bit of a, a misleading notion that, oh, they're all set. I didn't think they were all set. I thought it was a pretty good unit if they were healthy. Here's the problem. Last game of the year. <laughs> that that game that we both said, oh, man, a lot of things came out of that that, that weren't great. The win was nice, I guess, 
theoretically, but it cost them positioning. And, and then they lost Christensen and they lost uh, Corbett. And Corbett was never right. Now he's back on IR, and it's a mess at guard. It's put a lot of strain on Bozeman and the tackles, and uh, all of that has to be fixed. With that said, uh, you're right about the elevation part. Bryce has limitations physically, and this was the concern I had that, yeah, there's some really good things he does in terms of accuracy, seeing the field, leading receivers, throwing people open. The idea that he was going to be a point guard, I didn't spend a lot of time giving that any credence. That was a David Tepper statement, and uh, it was a statement made that that also was followed by the fact that, well, and being a point guard, as David Tepper, I'm paraphrasing here, it can allow us to allocate resources to the defense. Basically saying (laughs) we can be cheap at receiver because he's Steph Curry, and we can you know, get four Mark Eatons on the perimeter or four Bill Cartwrights. Uh, I, that to me, I, I think you keep everything going like it is uh, for the most part in terms of the staff and the quarterback for 24 months. I said that from day one, if they had won two of these games by a, an inch or two, which and the Minnesota game was right there until it got fumbled away. And then you've got the Chicago game, maybe another one in there in the mix. If you're three wins instead of one right now, does that change the outlook? Does the whole staff get fired? Um, I'm not praising Frank. I think it's been a piss poor job so far overall. But I don't know what I don't know. I got I got some thoughts on this in a minute, Billy. I got I got deeper thoughts about if they do make that move, what what that could mean and what do we think about that. But my personal opinion is at least get them through this year. And if it's a really rough start through like week eight next year, I mean, okay, have that conversation. But Firing a lot of people right now after they put all that money and time and effort into bringing it all together, which we can also discuss how that came to be because there's some stuff I'm learning about that that we well, might not have known. Let's stay on this topic here. Yeah. What did you make of the report Sunday morning? Jay Glazer said, quotes, without a doubt, Frank Reich has the hottest seat in the league. I think that's what gets said about coaches that are one in nine. Um, and I, Glazer is the guy, uh, I, I don't know how you feel about Jay, but when Jay speaks, I kind of perk up and listen. Uh, um, I agree. Yeah. I think we've heard this before. He was the one that talked about all-star rock star coordinator for Matt rule to survive. And that led to them trying to find that. And, and hey, Ben turned out to be pretty good for what they needed. But, um, yeah, I think we've had this conversation last week too, about David Tepper, I don't know him well enough to know personally, like what his mindset is here, but one and nine looks terrible on paper. Uh, I I don't want David Tepper to do something like this. Okay. So being at that game, I was a little insulated being in the press box, but being out there and I talked to a couple of buddies that were there. It was the deadest of dead zones ever at that stadium. It was a sad day on a lot of levels. Jerry Jones, for some reason was there giving honors to Jimmy Johnson, announcing he's going to the ring of honor. Uh, Troy Aikman was waxing poetic uh, like on, on, on Twitter or social about it. Burkhart was there trying to call a game, but they kept going back to showing Jerry Jones. Uh, the stadium was 80% silver and blue and, and jorts, as our guy salesman would call Cowboys fans. It was a Cowboys crowd like I've never seen. And the Panthers crowd, understandably so, with the product being shit right now, decided I don't want to deal with that today. It was a twilight zone moment in that stadium. But I hope David Tepper doesn't use that emotion 
And he's an emotional guy. He wants to win, and he's a competitor in his own industry, captain of industry that he was in the hedge fund business. If you're going to make a move, let's think this thing through and make sure what your next steps are. But if you take in the visuals of this, and you're going to then suddenly get the seat hotter and hotter on this entire staff that you spent a lot of time and money and effort pulling together, um, I, I, I hope that's not his rationale. I'm not saying it's the wrong move to fire everybody after this season if this is the way it's going to continue. I'm just asking people out there, what's next? That's the question. The great Amy Trask, who worked for Al Davis for years. Amy's very, very cool on Twitter. Go hit her up. And I've talked with her about this before. And she said, John, here's something to remember. When you make big moves, let's get back to the Cam Newton release. When you make a move like that major Fundamental moves to your organization, instrumental moves to everything. You got to ask yourself as an owner, okay, now what? Okay, what next? And hopefully that question has already been asked if you're even considering making a move. And if Jay Glazer's reporting the hot seat is getting hotter, yeah, I believe Jay Glazer's reporting. And it's not just him. Diana Rossini kind of mentioned the same thing last week, too. So yeah. it's like it's coming from multiple outlets. Yeah, it is. Um, now that could be directed at the front office. That's an interesting dynamic to look at because Scott Fitter has has not hit a lot of home runs here, Bill. Um, yeah, that's that's the issue. Time I to start diving into Scott, and I like him, but you know, the, the further along we get here, and you can't judge him week to week, but you certainly can look at the production from guys he's responsible for bringing in and saying, okay, week to week now, this ain't getting better. You're a rookie quarterback that you decided with the owner. And I think the owner put made the big push for this is now is the time to go get a quarterback. Now. Yeah. Well, they all travel and they decided Bryce was the guy, and that's fair. Well, now now what do you do to get Bryce ready? They, they could have done worse. They could not have done worse doing that. And, th- and this is why, like, you know, whatever happens to Frank Reich, it happens to him. I mean, it's the nature of the NFL. Um, but this is also why, like, I'm not very confident, you know, if if Frank Reich goes and that seems to be a lot of momentum heading that way. If he goes, like, right? Are you, is anyone What's confident next? that this owner is going to Thank be able you. to attract a good coach? I'm Thank not. You. Thank like, you. why would why would Ben Johnson want to come here? He already backed out once. Exactly. So it's just like, why would these type of high profile coaches want to come here? Why would Eric Bieniemy want to a come? Ton here? Of, a ton of money, but even then, Bill, I mean. You have the rock star coaching staff, and it's not money's not really responding. I agree. I I, yeah, I agree. And you have to own everything you earn in this league, and even the owners got to go through that. And you can't fire an owner. But here's the question I'll put back in your court, and it it's the question I asked people earlier this week on the radio and on on social. Let's say they go through with this. Let's say it's a house cleaning. Okay, think about this real hard now. Short of hiring a search firm, which we I think we know that's not his style. Who's advising David Tepper on the next move? Think about that for a minute. Nicole Tepper. Okay. Yeah. Right. And fair enough. Nicole. <laughs> Sorry. Nicole Tepper. I, I, look, just, I, I, I just said that. <laughs> you're not wrong. And that's if it's going to be a mom and pop operation, that's fine. Now, if you want to reach out to your old friend Kevin Colbert. And, and have like an Ernie Accordsy type of moment with him, that might work for me. But even I don't so, even think that's the answer. He, I don't either. I'm just, I'm, I'm just suggesting, Billy, that at, at the very least is what you'd be 
hoping would happen because otherwise, what's next? I'll bring back that very question. I mean, like a guy they fired, all these guys they've already fired before have had success, not only against them directly, but now there's Joe Brady. Again, I don't want to get controversial here, but Joe Brady steps in and has a nice game as an OC. It's better talent up there. I didn't want him fired, to be clear. Huh? I never... Neither one of us did. For his firing. Neither one. Of, well, I want that real clear. And we certainly didn't advocate for it on the back end of a bye week. It's awful. But anyway, um, Dave's been here for all of this, and it's his responsibility ultimately to make decisions uh, for all of it. Now, I don't think he's. I've said this before. Somebody asked me on our Twitter Spaces this week, how involved is he in personnel? I, I don't think he's that involved as people may think. But I do think when you start hearing reports about hot seat, who's leaking that? Where's that coming from? Why is it coming out now? It's coming from somewhere in that building. Um, and honestly, I, I think as bad as this season looks and realistically is right now, rookie quarterbacks at times in this league go through these growing pains. And part of the problem, too, is you're, you're putting this microscope under this rookie quarterback and it's all or nothing about him. And everything, as you said, this season should be largely about evaluating his progress. Greg Olson said on the broadcast what I've been saying for weeks. It's really hard to evaluate Bryce Young on a full scope level right now. Like the things you mentioned, the bad habits that creep in. Yes, th- those are perfectly thing, perfectly available on tape to evaluate. Missing some guys on, on some go routes they've called. Yes, that's on him. He's made some great plays as well, Bill, that I've seen in person and in practice and also in games. But the conditions under which he's operating, they're not only not ideal, they're, it's a calamity. It's the slowest group of receivers I've seen with this franchise. I know O'Sullivan was ahead of this, but <laughs> I'm not borrowing material from him. I see it myself. And the guys out there that have speed, you bring in Chark, that's your speed guy. You hardly ever throw it to him. You hardly ever involve him. The tight end group is underwhelming. I like Tremble, but they don't run him enough in terms of, you know, stuff that makes sense. And it, again, it comes down to Bryce having just not enough time to do what he's at his best with, which is use his mind to see the field. When he gets into scramble point guard mode, I'm not comfortable with that. It's not because I think he's going to get hurt. That could happen. It's because he's going to throw balls in the dirt. Occasionally, he'll throw a bad ball that gets picked off. He needs to be in the pocket in a relaxed state that he's usually in, very calm and measured, and then the footwork will work when the line works with him. I'm not suggesting it has to be the, you know, the 93 Cowboys offensive line, but this interior pressure and the run blocking that accompanies it, it's collectively among the worst I've seen in franchise history. Welcome to the NFL, Bryce Young. How much kind of um, responsibility lies with like the development or lack thereof of this offensive line? Uh, you know, Campman. You know, he was a holdover, and I'm starting to think it wasn't the right decision to bring him back because, you know, he probably isn't. You know, doesn't understand the offense and what they should be asking their offensive linemen, and the lack of development from players on this offensive line is a pretty striking um, issue right now. It's funny you bring that up because you know, I, I kind of teased this during the week, and I, I, you and I have some mutual people that we know that know Frank and, and know kind of the background with his story with Philly and other teams. 
But there's a couple other people I've made uh, connections with outside of everyone. A lot of these guys are in the scouting world. A couple of them are former players. And, and this is what one had to say about the idea I brought up last year about Roy Istvan. And you know Jeff Stoutland. Jeff Stoutland is arguably the best offensive line coach on the planet. And the Eagles have great personnel. And they're always doing their job correctly, it seems. And Roy's his right-hand man. So this guy that knows Roy back when Frank got hired said, hey, this is a guy they might want to look at for continuity reasons and all that. And I brought it back up to him again, and this is what he said. Um, Frank doesn't know Roy that well, but the Eagles blocked the Colts from interviewing him anyway, so he was never going anywhere. I doubt Campen is the reason things are going the way they are. He's a good coach with a good track record. They made a mistake giving up one of the offensive assets they had on top of the other asset they could have used to acquire another one. Hindsight's twenty twenty, and I like Bryce. I don't hold that against him. He's just not being put in a position to succeed in so many ways. As far as the offensive line goes, this guy continues, the personnel is bad, and it's not married correctly with the coordination, and the coordination lies on the coach, and in large part, Thomas Brown, who comes from a completely different set of principles. And that's what he had to say. So I, I don't know if I agree or disagree with everything he says, but Campen didn't forget how to do his job overnight. I don't know if there's yeah, the a lot more of... I, the more I think about it, and based off that quote, um, the more I think about it, the more I realize that this front office and ownership probably had too much of a say in how this coaching staff was assembled. Mm-hmm. And that obviously is pretty worrying because, I mean, you could fire the front office, but like the owner, you can't. And yeah, right. So, like, where's the accountability going to be at the end of the year? To me, Frank Reich, you know, Thomas Brown, James Campman, all of these guys are just scapegoats, in my opinion. And, you know, the real heart of the issue lies above them. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys, I'm sure they have their preferences in the draft and personnel-wise, but I can tell you this much. They didn't decide to trade DJ Moore, who's having an outstanding season in Chicago. Looking uh, worse by the week. Um, and it's not an indictment on Bryce, Billy, but it's looking worse by the week when you see the lack of explosion like, on offense here and then Bryce's struggles. And maybe that'll change, but it's going to take a little time. And, like, the thing that kind of just that I'm just trying to understand this franchise is like, you know, since the owner bought the team and he kind of went in his own direction after he fired Rivera every year, it's been a continuation of, you know, they're one QB away when they're not exactly like you're not a QB away when you trade, when you sign Bridgewater to a, the largest deal he's ever signed. And then you trade multiple draft picks for Sam Darnold. And then you trade, for Baker Mayfield, and mm. then you trade up for Bryce Young. Like, ah, forgot about maybe <laughs> just have a little bit of humility and realize that your roster is much more flawed than you gave it credit for. Like, yeah, and th- this is what I was trying to say last year in that, yeah, they were winning games, but they were still a pretty flawed team. They were. I, I mean, we-, we saw them, like, barely beat, you know, that week – 18 game that was one of the yeah, worst games the worst games time. i've ever seen and, and, somehow- and, and look at, at the time i know it's only happened a few times where coaches yank guys out like lovey smith did this so tampa could get Jameis. but we saw that at the time i think i, I know you had talked about what that could have cost the team in terms yeah. of draft positioning and i know the feeling was this could be a big springboard 
I didn't th- look. I wasn't very inspired by that win. I don't be honest with you. I'm usually the guy at the end of the year. It's like, all right, now that means something. That I was kind of like, look, can we just get this shit over with? They blew their chance at Tampa. They had an opportunity, and I really like Steve a lot, and I mean that sincerely. And I'm not suggesting at all that he should not have been given a fair shake to do this job. Maybe they gave him one, but I'm not, I don't think it's clearly fair. I don't think it's I don't that game didn't mean anything. Huh? So clearly they didn't give him a fair shot because that week 18 game oh, yeah. meant nothing. He didn't go to the game. The owner wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, I, I think I, about that. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I, I think in that regard, like you look back and there's a conversation piece out there now, but you know, well. <laughs> People are comparing Rule and saying that Rule was better. That If you believe that he's better than Frank Reich, then you can live in that world. I don't care. Um, the Steve Wilkes remorse and regret, I understand the frustration there, but I'm still not so sure that they should not have moved in a different direction. And I don't even think it had to be an offensive guru at head coach. If you talk to a lot of people that have worked around Frank over the years, Billy, he's not really considered an offensive guru. He's not. He's he's been in some good systems. He's a great quarterback developer. He has been before. He's also been in situations where he's had to adjust his way of thinking in terms of the game of football based on circumstances with the quarterback. And I thought he did some good things in Indy with constructing offenses that played to their strengths, meaning Jonathan Taylor, two tight ends. Uh, this is this year. I think there and again a lot of it's the score differential. I think they're fourth or fifth in the league in pass attempts per game. In Indy, they were only in the top five once in pass attempts per game. They were outside the top ten every year because they had that ability to control the line of scrimmage and feature one of their best players. And even before Taylor, they had other guys that could run the rock. Now, when Phillip Rivers did, I think they led the league in pass attempts. But or that was Andrew Luck's first year. Sorry, but you get the point. Um, Frank has never been thought of by some people that have either played in this league or have has, have been on staffs in the building around Frank as Shanahan-esque. It, you're going to get very core principles with what you do, but he's had success. And I don't know how much of the, the, the Philadelphia Super Bowl was mostly on Doug Peterson, but it was a collaboration. Deuce Staley was a part of that. Um but the idea that Frank was going to come in and not call plays, look, I never bought into the idea that he was going to give the play calling up that soon. I was surprised that he did, even though he said at camp he probably would at some point. I don't know how effective he'll be as a head coach without calling plays. It's all he's ever done. So when you take that away from him, what is he is – he, is he a CEO type? Does he give you value there? Can he properly manage a game? It's helped him when he has. Is Thomas Brown ready? I think he's a great coach. I could say that all day, but you can't showcase that with this offensive line looking like it is. And you can't showcase that with the lack of things they have to throw to on the outside. There's nothing to showcase. The way Thomas Brown called that game in the end, I thought was pretty masterful against Houston. He knew what they had. He knew what they didn't have. And they paper cut the Texans to death and they were fortunate to get that fourth down play done but Thomas understood their limitations and they played to their strengths which is short area passing and get the ball out quick and the court the communication was good so I mean that's a long-winded way of kind of following up on what you said there but yeah this is a this is a problem that starts at the top when you go in from 2018 all the way to now 
and all that's happened is losing. And even the the moves you try to get excited about off the field, the acquisitions are mostly L's. And the few good ones they've made, they don't keep those guys. Or, or they go some other direction. Or they let guys go that have great success elsewhere. Um, I get the McCaffrey thing. I mean, he was injured a lot here. Uh, right place, right time in San Francisco. Things are better for him. God bless. The fact they got draft assets back for Robbie Chosen Anderson was pretty good considering he was getting barked off the field, and that was a bad visual. But they still got something in return. Okay, fair enough. What you just reminded me of, of all the decisions that were made, it gets back to somebody, the fan, I forget his name, had said this uh, throughout this. They're preaching patience. Remember, Billy, how they preached it. Oh, they preached it from the beginning. It was sold as four or five years. They preach patience while doing impatient things. And some yeah, of those decisions, uh, not even harping on rule here, that starts at the top with Dave. And then when Scott's in that building, yep, yeah, that's on him too. So when, when Jay Glazer says what he says about hot seat, I don't know if it was specific to Frank Reich or everybody involved, but I don't know. I think it's a little unfair for Reich. He just got here. Scott's at least been here for a little while. And to be fair, it's very clear the division of labor between Scott, his people, and Frank Reich and his staff. And there is input and there is collaboration. But at the end of the day, this is not a Matt Rule situation where he's in there making personnel moves. And uh, I mean, yeah, like, you know, as much as I'll give Rule credit because, like, the roster that he built in 2022, it definitely fits. It did. The offense. Yep. It fit, like, we can quibble with his overall direction and no, if that I, was the right I, move. But. I, I want to agree with that, Doug, because I'm known as a rule hater and I'm probably earned that tag, but he, he finally kind of understood, hey, McAdoo and I could probably work together in terms of my identity, which is I want to be more run first or at least run run heavier. Uh, Joe Brady wasn't the right fit and he understood that and the timing was bad on the move, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Matt deserves some credit. I mean, he found some good athletes too in that draft and, and those drafts and was able to feature them the right way and uh but but yeah scott it's hard to know when that you know when when does the clock start in terms of the proper time to evaluate his role in bad moves and to just to be completely like fair to him i started that with this offseason now you can go back and include his name in the bad moves that were made and he deserves some accountability on that end ultimately it's it's what the GM thinks, and if he's sick of this, we've seen Marty Herney fired midseason before by another owner. Uh, we've seen David, uh, I'm not David Tepper, but uh, what's his name? Gettleman. Got to forgot that guy even existed for a minute. He was canned uh, before season, and that's not unusual, but, you know, it was a weird time then. So this team has gone through this before, and um, hopefully Scott makes it out. Hopefully the moves get smarter and better. Uh, they got a lot of cap room next year, but I'm already looking around at the free agent wire and kind of sensing that some of these guys are going to want to come back to the teams. We had Brad Spielberger on this week. I know you're pretty good friends with Brad. You know his work, and he's the guy I go to. Yeah, Brad is like, you introduced me to him, and he's like my go-to guy on Fox Sports Upstate now, and he he knows ball and he knows cap. And uh, he kind of made the point that a lot of these guys out there in the wide receiver market, they, they could be looking to be retained and could end up right back where they started, like Higgins and so I think the draft stuff, they got to be careful about, you know, the picks they do have, make them work. And Mingo and, and company, I mean, it's it's early days. I'm not going to just go ballistic, but 
I mean, you look at other guys like Tank Dell doing well now. I mean, who's Even to Josh say? Josh Downs. Josh Downs. That's the kind of receiver they probably could use in this offense right now that could challenge, you know, the, the deep quarters of the field there. And nobody they have right now can do any of that. Prize picks. It's the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. Hey, look, testing my skills on prize picks this football season is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn 10 bucks into 250 bucks with just a few taps. It's simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, enormous selections of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Prize picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts such as Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discount select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. They offer Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your accounts this football season. Go to prizepicks.com slash ROAR, R-O-A-R, and use the code ROAR for a first deposit match of up to $100. prizepicks.com slash ROAR, the promo code ROAR, R-O-A-R. Daily fantasy sports made easy with prize picks. You know, again, it's not a Mingo thing. It's just like, why are we relying on a rookie to elevate this entire situation yeah a second a day two rookie at that like you it, it's not about if you chose mingo over downs over um dell or whoever like Jaden reed is another guy just getting a lot of um yeah you know, publicity yep it's it's not just one decision it's just a collection of decisions that have led us to this point dj johnson and pick i mean it's i mean like if i were the owner, which I'm not, and I don't pretend to be, and I never will be. I mean, I've, <laughs> I have to buy me a very, yacht if you ever get that money. <laughs> well, no, it's just I have to be pretty uh, humble, both of us do, because you and I have been. Um, I think this has been a wake up call for me because I, yeah. I'll, I've sat on this show and I told everyone that I preferred Bryce Young over CJ Stroud, and I'm, I was wrong. I mean, we'll, we'll see what Bryce, what his career ends up being, but. At this stage, I just I feel like Stroud is just so much further along, and mm-hmm. he has the physical talent to last in this league for decades. So I can sit up here with authority and say that I was wrong on that. Yeah. But you know what? I have my own full time job, and I don't get paid by this franchise right. to make those decisions. Thank you, you. and I don't. So <laughs> Thank we you. Can just yeah, you you and I are not paid to, um, you know, give our analysis to. The franchise, they can do whatever they want, and we got it. And, we got it just about as right as they did. <laughs> yeah, it, it, <laughs> that's just like, and, and I was a fan of Mingo too, and I still am. I think Mingo will end up yeah, being maybe, good. I, I, I have hope that maybe Bryce in a better situation, um, you know, he performs better. But just, I just think overall, right now, this franchise just needs a complete reset. I, I'm talking about from the front office down to the coaching staff. And the owner needs to come to grips with mm. his franchise and have a sense of just one day at a time. Th- this isn't yeah. until that changes. Until that you're changes. Not, yeah. Until I mean, that, you're, you're not on Wall Street. You're right. <laughs> this isn't something where you can just, you know, trade for another quarterback or trade for, you know, another player or any of that stuff. You have to just sit back and let the decision makers do their job. 
if you want to let them borrow your private jet so they can go to scouting, <laughs> you know, whoever on pro days, go for it. But I don't understand the need why him and his wife need to tag along in that. I mean, it's just all of it is optics. It's like, yeah. again, you own the team. You can do whatever you want. I'm Definitely. just telling you, like, everything that you guys have done up until this point has been wrong. So well, just, it's always wrong when you don't win, and and whether whether the process itself works or not, look, that's how we try to evaluate and grade things during the draft. How was your process? And that's fair enough. But so far, and it's getting late in season one now. I'll I'll speak up real quick on my end, and I'll I'll you know just point it out too. This is not going to be a feel bad for a session, but yeah, we were probably. More in the young camp, I know I was, than the Stroud camp. It took me some time. I, I had to shut everybody off, all the Twitter alerts, all all of it, all the, all the gurus, everybody, and just do my own little film study. And again, I don't have enough time to do hours of it, but I, I did a couple of days here and there poking in. And then I talked to a few people around the scouting world and, and kind of got their sense of it. And yeah. most people felt, I think, like we did because of the – the, the, what he showed on tape, what he showed in terms of seeing the field, fast, processing. I don't want to talk about S2 anymore. People are weaponizing that again for the wrong reasons. They're weaponizing against those guys, and I think it's we pathetic. like that. It, it's it's really sad. It's like Chris Sims. Uh, he, Sims is just – he's a guy that loves to uh, milk his own priors, and that's why I don't respect him a lot in terms of what he does because – he was all over Stroud. It's he also called Will Anderson like the fifth best person in the draft, and we'll see if that happens in terms of his edge position. But anyway, a lot of people are doing it. It's not just Sims. He had Zach Wilson, by the way, as QB one. Yes, so. he did ahead of uh, Trevor Lawrence, which has worked out swimmingly. Uh, Zach Wilson has just been benched, by the way, for a guy named Tim Boyle. So way to go, third string. Yep, way to go, Chris. Um, that's we're we're a very transparent show. We always have been, and and it's not that we screwed up. It's that. We don't know yet what to make of it, but right now, Stroud has exceeded expectations by leaps and bounds. I I could probably tell you that coming here, it wouldn't look quite as great, but it would look better than what probably Young has put out so far because he has some physical tools about him that can that can overcome some of what we're seeing now. I I will say that again, I can't fully evaluate Young. That's the frustrating part about it because. If things were a little cleaner, I'm not even saying it has to be great or even good. It could be bad. It's catastrophic. I don't. I can't remember an offense yeah. in this franchise's 29 year history that has been this bad week to week, uh, uncompetitive. The the Clawson offense probably okay, but at least like the 2002 offense, they were close to the vest, limit turnovers, run it, milk the clock. That. I get that. There's a purpose behind that. None of this is connected at all. There's no connectivity between the line play, the schematics uh, from the passing perspective, the lack of commitment and execution in the run game with run blockers, at least three or four of them that were there last year that did a fine job in that department, and uh, the inability to lean into what's strong for you and the inability to avoid leaning into where you're weak and inviting a traffic accident every single week. They're they're inviting it. And yeah, clean house. Go for it. Because honestly, what's next? <laughs>
<laughs> where's the in, where's the intel coming from for the owner that believes he has all the answers? And I certainly respect how that gentleman has built his empire. I respect a lot about what he's tried to do outside of the Panthers' operation. He's done a great job in a lot of venues being successful. So it's not about me coming on here and clowning the owner of the Panthers. Probably not a good thing for me to do anyway. But I mean, it's honest. And the and, clowning is happening in front of him on game days when eighty percent of the he's lucky nothing. that yeah. Dallas, you know, their colors are silver and blue. <laughs> so it doesn't kind of it, it, like imagine thing. if it was like bright yellow or Chiefs or the Forty Nine ers. Oh, oh, it, it they, they got away with that one because visually it didn't it didn't occur to me in the press box. It was a big deal. But the colors obviously mimic, and uh, so I mean, yeah. Like if if you look at a clean house, yeah. Here's the point about that. I just you, think you, like that you have to. You've got point. like well, I think you it, you have to do everything you do with a purpose. It's not about appearances. If you're in that building, and, and Tepper knows what's going on in the building better than anybody because he owns the team. If you're in that building and you get the sense, and you're at least. Confident in your assessment as an owner in this league for now almost five, six years that, okay, I see this going in a direction that will not work. Let me not waste any more time on this. Let me go on to my next move. Hopefully there is a plan there for that. But if you had asked me three months ago, does David Tepper have a contingency plan ready or next steps ready for if this doesn't work, I would have laughed in your face because I didn't see this team going to the playoffs this year but I certainly saw them being in a position where they had four wins on the board by now. I mean, and even though they wouldn't be playoff ready this year, maybe Bryce would still be having the same issues. The fact they haven't found a way to win other than one Houston game. You got at some point, like the Colts are doing They're They stink in a lot of ways, but they're manufacturing wins with pick sixes and takeaways. And, you know, they're doing things outside of the quarterback position to show that they might have the right guy. Frank is the head coach. He's not the offensive coordinator. He's not the play designer. He's the goddamn head coach with all due respect. Sorry about the language, but his job as head coach is to win football games and they're not winning any. And I understand David Tepper would be frustrated by that. Do what you got to do. But um, next time, if you do this, find a happy medium between hiring Baylor and their staff and going into full all-star mode, the dream team mode with the coaching staff, very few of whom had ever worked together before. There, there's no synergy between exactly. the coaching staff. There's no synergy between the front office and coaching staff. Exactly. That's why I feel like the clean reset is the best approach. Hire the GM first. Let the GM go hire the coach. And, and just leave it at that. You sit back and worry about Appaloosa management and yeah. you know how they're doing in the market and you know go sit in your you know wherever tower you you know own in Manhattan New York there's just enjoy yourself yeah don't yeah. don't get yourself too wrapped up in the day to day but you know hey look Frank Reich opened this up when he when he gave that little tidbit in his press conference that the owner will not stand idly by and we meet and it was not pleasant the meetings aren't pleasant this is Frank Reich saying this in the middle of the season which is a bit surprising. Frank's pretty good with his messaging. I think that's completely surprising, but I don't think it was completely necessary to be that candid. Either way, we we understand now without question because the coach said it, and he's the most honest coach they've ever had. I'll say that about Frank. He doesn't lie. The, that 
honestly, uh, dude, yeah, he is very involved. And if there are any questions about the word meddling, I don't even care if it's that. He's involved. He's there. He's at the forefront. Uh, he wants people that think like him to be in power and in positions of prominence in football or operations in that organization. And I think he's going to lean heavily into folks if he goes through another reboot that are heavy into the analytics game that he's in um, and and go that direction and see how that works. I I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's, they, he's, need a, they need like a front office and coaching staff that are in sync with one another. And they need to just kind of, it's going to sound, you know, a little difficult to say just because, you know, we're in a situation where, you have to evaluate the quarterback, but they just got to be patient. There's no need to just exactly rush things. Like if Bryce Young ends up being good, then he ends up being good. Like I think you know every situation is different. Like let me ask you, you this know. real quick. I'll just let me interrupt. You. So like early on, when you and I know you've been busy and I've been busy too, but we both seen enough of what Bryce looks like right now so far. This is not calling me or you out. The whole planet, with the exception of maybe several teams valued young over Stroud. It was close. And as one scout that used to work for that very organization said, he almost wanted them to trade back and wait till next year because he wasn't sold on either one of them quite yet, but certainly Stroud's ready to go. Environment matters. Okay. Surroundings matter. They're making him better, but boy, he's elevating some of those guys on some of those throws he's making. There's no question. Stroud is it's a, it's been a clean transition for him. Like, he hasn't missed a beat since Ohio State. That's rare. Okay, so good on them. I don't know if that could have converted here. But when you look at Bryce now versus the tape we saw at Alabama, um, independent of the challenges around him, and they are significant, do you do you feel concerned about what you see with him standalone from the challenges of the offensive line and the receivers? Is, there, is it a physicality? Issue did the, the the size? Are you more concerned about that now that you see it in the NFL? Because I, I have to admit, Billy, concerned. I, I, yes. I, it's 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 taken me a minute to get used to it. I wouldn't say concerned, but um, I'm aware of it now. You, I'll let you yeah. kind of give me some perspective on your side of that. Concerned, yeah. I mean, anyone with you just have to be like the biggest homer in the world to just ignore it. I'm sure even Bryce's parents would agree with me. Um, <laughs> Concerned, yes. Um, do I think it? Prov- do I think it has a detrimental impact on his future? No. Like I think he can maybe become like a Tua Tagovailoa, Jared Goff type. But even Goff, you know, he's much bigger, and that kind of helps him. He's taller. He's, I mean, for. You know, all the issues with Jared Goff, he's like one of the most durable QBs in the NFL. And I say that knocking on wood, hoping he doesn't get injured because yeah. the Lions are doing some good things. Yeah, it's worked out. Um, but yeah, I think he can he can do that. Like even like Tua, like I was kind of uh, lukewarm on him after, you know, his first two years. But he's turned out to be a, um, you know, perennial at least candidate for one of the best quarterbacks in the league just from a production standpoint remember we talked to bowen we talked to bowen and he said there were some joe burrow-esque traits he didn't say joe burrow but is it fair to think even early on it's too early to tell that he could still with a guy like chase and boyd and higgins could could he could he still do that or does the eyeball test tell you i don't know 
I don't know. I mean, in, right now, I don't know. Just yeah. because in, this is the issue right now, John, it's just, they don't have yeah. the resources to surround them with that type of talent. Exactly. Cincinnati in that draft, they took, um, you know, obviously Burrow, and then they drafted Higgins. Um, they already had Tyler Boyd in the roster. And then the next year, they, you know, Burrow has shows some plenty of flashes as a rookie. Then he, you know, has a very, um, you know, detrimental injury. And they kind of, I don't want to say tank, but... I mean, they yeah. lose a bunch of games and they draft Jamar Chase the next year. Yeah, The Panthers aren't afforded that luxury. Their number one pick, which right now is the number one overall pick, is going to Chicago. And they'll get Marvin um, Harrison with one of those two picks probably. Yeah, so like, do I think Bryce will be put in a situation where he will have the same type of impact as Tua or as Burrow? Right now, I'm leaning no because those guys in their franchises they had draft picks to go get Jalen Waddle and Jamar Chase, and the Panthers and that's aren't going to have that luxury. That's why I asked the question because we had this conversation this week with some people I know around the league, and and you're certainly one of them that I respect as much as anybody, if not more. But every good quarterback in this league, the 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 elite ones, I don't stack them and rank them, and it's just not something I'm interested in doing, but. I mean, the ones that we consider large, by and large, to be the ones that are at the top of the shelf there, um, whether it's Jalen Hurts, unique skill set, obviously, physically, and he can do things that impact the run game, which puts him a cut above. But now he's got Brown on one side. He's got, obviously, Smith on the other. Uh, Burrow, we know what he's got, and we hope Burrow gets better because I love watching him play. Um you know, Mahomes is kind of an exception, but you see their offense now, they stink in the fourth quarter because they're... Very limited on the perimeter. Um, you got to have perimeter weapons. Tua, the explosion there with his numbers happened when, I mean, you know, that doesn't happen without Hill and Waddle. We come on, let's be real. Give him credit, but McDaniel's done a nice job with that too. So the point about Bryce would be until uh, we get to a point, I think, where at least there's a solid, at least one true boundary X guy that can be dynamic um, for him and with him. I mean, it, that's not to say that he needs to be babied. No, every great rece- every great quarterback in this league seems to have somebody like that at their disposal. There's nothing like that right now on this roster. Nothing, even close. And you, you can see it on the field. You can see it there in practice. You can see it at training camp. So there's going to be death by a thousand paper cuts to have success, and hopefully you could continue to get first downs and maybe get into the red zone, and then it becomes problematic because you have zero playmaking ability in short area, and then you have zero ability to hold and pass protection. You have no run game. And that's not to excuse Bryce Young. It's just to remind people that your point about being patient with the quarterback here, look, think of what you will about the coach and how they've structured this. Think of what you will about Scott Fitter and how they have hemorrhaged draft capital that now puts them in a position. They had to give up what they had to to get to number one, but maybe they could have negotiated something better. Maybe they could have given up less before that, with other deals they chased and made, Darnold being one, that would have given them other opportunities to be competitive in the draft moving forward. But they have the 33rd pick now, I guess they'll have. Uh, and there's not much you can do there, but you could always move back up, I suppose. That's not out of the question. It's, it's frustrating because now you've got a situation where it'll probably take two years to really start getting a sense of what Bryce Young can do at his full capacity because let's peel away the weapons from some of the guys that are the best, the best right now in the league. He came in as number one overall. And other than maybe CJ Stroud, who was two overall, 
I don't think those weapons are considered elite. Um, they're good. They're fast. The scheme is great. They run the ball well. But I didn't expect Houston to be good enough to accommodate him. He deserves all the credit in the world. So does Slowick and, and D'Amico for, for doing what they've done. That's, it, it, I think that's the part that gets fans the most worked up about all of it. I get it. Is that Stroud had kind of a mid-year right in there and they go you know, eight nine touchdowns and they're about 500 or so yeah okay but it's it's what you don't have in, <laughs> in conjunction with what you've taken and what you've given up to take it that give yeah. panthers fans heartburn and i i certainly sympathize but to be fair to bryce i'm i'm certainly not close to ready to saying oh yeah this is terrible no i think he'll be quite good i see enough on tape to know he can be just let let, let not let the bad habits take over because that's what happened to, to sam darnold and David Carr and a lot of other guys that people thought would be very good. And, you know, you, you get your head kicked in with no weapons around you for 17 games. And if that continues in the next year, look out. Yep, I agree. Um, but, you know, it was a good episode, John. Um, appreciate Ting in there. And uh, it's going to be it for us this week. Um, you know, Carolina goes to Tennessee. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can't really project him to win any game until, I mean, <laughs> losing to Tyson Bajant. Oh. Necessarily. So yeah. I don't really care what Tennessee's record is. And to their credit, they are 3-0 and at home in ho- true home games. Like one of their home games was in London. So They got field turf now, too. Maybe that's an advantage for Carolina. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. And they got to do it without Austin Corbett this week. So oh, good luck man. to whoever has to block Jeffrey Simmons. Oh, God. But, uh, you know, that's going to be it for our show tonight. Thank you, everyone, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate you. Feel better, man, okay? Yeah, you too. See you, bud. Bye. Bye.